Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number four, Second Timothy chapter number four, it is said that this is the last book, epistle that the Apostle Paul penned, and I want to look at some of those concluding verses before he signs off in this final book starting with verse 16, chapter number 4, 2 Timothy. And at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that he may not, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to use this passage of scripture that I read to you this morning and simply preach for the next few moments upon this subject, a revelation of restoration, a revelation of restoration. That's more than just a phrase or a catchy title to capture your attention, but I, I really think there's a revelation that we need to receive from this this morning and that the Apostle Paul is trying to convey to his protege in the gospel, Timothy, the younger generation before he passes on, the need of being restored, the need of continual renewal and refreshing and replenishment through the power of God and how many knows that God is able to do that. Amen. Why don't you lift up your hands with me right now and let's pray together for the help of the Lord, the strength and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, we need your anointing. We desire, God, your help, your touch, your blessing upon the remainder of this service here today. I pray, God, that you would anoint your word to our hearts. I pray that we could be receptive to it, receive it and apply it to our lives. We thank you, God, so much for the opportunity to gather here, receive from your word, and I pray, God, the work would be done. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and could the church say amen. You can be seated. I want to I start with this word restoration and talk about its definition In definition, the word restoration is the act of returning something back to a former owner or former place or condition. But let's let's dig a little deeper than that and let's look at that root word, store. 
removing the pre- prefix there, re, and let's just let's, let's look at that word store. It means a quantity or supply of something kept for and used as needed. So if we connect these two things together, it literally means to return a quantity or supply to its former owner, place, or condition. Paul is writing to the Philippian church in chapter 4 and verse 19, and most of us could quote this passage of Scripture. It says, but my God, and I like how he makes it personal there. He said, but my God shall supply, and note what he says, all. Everybody say all. All your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, he is the supplier. He owns the store. He is the one that is able to produce the product or supply the need in our life. Now, granted, sometimes we've got to be willing to restock the shelves. It's not like that we can just sit back on our laurels and do nothing, but there is a responsibility on our part. But in this massive storehouse... He has the ability, he has every need, and he's able to supply our need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That means every spiritual need, every emotional need, every physical need, every mental need, every social need, every need, all of our needs He is able to supply everything that I need in this life. He has in his storehouse, which the Bible clearly says is Christ Jesus. So that's better than Walmart Supercenter. And that's better than Target. And he's open 24-7. And his shelves are always full. And he doesn't ration out his blessings I'm happy to report to you this morning that we're not serving a stingy God. We're we're not serving a God that, that just gives out in small parcels. But He is willing to give us everything that we need. The Bible says that He is an exceeding abundant God. Able to supply. Not running short in His ability to produce what we have need of. Paul said it's according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So it is delivered through Christ Jesus. When I call on his name, when I pray, when I seek him, when I, when I lift up my voice in prayer, he is able to deliver. He is able to bring it to pass. Amen. And I understand that nowadays that, that there's a lot of competition when it comes to companies delivering products. It seems like people want things immediately when they order it. And I suppose that the internet has heightened that that competition between companies. It seems like that's almost as important as the product itself, as how quickly it can be delivered. But I'm going to tell you that our God is quicker than Amazon is. I, I read somewhere that Amazon can supply in one day their products to 70% of the American population. 
And now they're researching and looking into, and I think in some places already doing this, but delivering products by drones. And can you imagine that? And trying and trying to make things quicker and to be able to deliver things quicker. But I'm going to tell you that I've got a God that can deliver to 100% of the world's population when they cry out and pray in His name and mix a little faith with it and confidence that God is true to His Word and faithful to His Word. And when you pray in the name of Jesus, the Bible says that He is able to deliver. It doesn't matter what the need is. You have need of strength this morning, He can give you strength. You have need of hope this morning, He can give you hope. You have need of peace, He can give you peace. You have need of joy, He can give you joy. You have need of salvation, He can give you salvation. Amen. I believe He can baptize somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and it doesn't take Him a long time to do it. In fact, it can happen between those pews when somebody repents of their sins, lifts up their hands, and begins to worship God in faith. He can pour out His Spirit upon your life and fill you with the Holy Ghost. You need healing? He's able to give healing. You need Him to give you victory? He's able to give you victory. You must understand that he is able this morning to supply all of our needs. And when you understand that, you don't go looking elsewhere. You don't look in other places. You know where you can be satisfied. You know where your needs are met. Amen. You you become, you know, there's such a thing as brand loyalty. And uh, I, I remember this when I was growing up. And uh, even some folks now today, I, 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 don't, I don't know that I possess this quality as far as a brand loyalty is concerned. I'm a loyal person, but I don't know that I am as far as, you know, the type of car, whether it's Ford or Chevy or Dodge or everybody's got their preferences and, and that's debatable and I understand all of that. And uh, we, we sometimes make fun, little acronyms that we put beside those names, you know, and uh, we talk about the other product and and try to run it down, but uh, some folks just have a sense of brand loyalty. I remember growing up, my parents and grandparents, how that they would shop at a certain store. It didn't matter what kind of sale that they was having somewhere else, that was just where they went because they had a loyalty to the brand. What I'm going to tell you, when you find out that your needs are met and supplied in the house of God, in the presence of the Lord, you know that sin cannot substitute. You know that sin cannot satisfy. Sin cannot bring the joy that the Holy Ghost brings. Amen. Sin cannot give me the experience uh, that I found uh, when I came into the presence of God. Uh, sin cannot give me the peace that, that passeth all understanding. Uh, sin cannot supply my soul's needs, uh, but I found a source. Uh, I found a storehouse. Uh, I found a supplier in Christ Jesus. Uh, I don't have to look anywhere else. Uh, I don't have to shop anywhere else. Uh, I don't have to go around yearning uh, that my needs be met uh, I found a place uh, that if I could just plug into his presence uh, if I could just get into the glory of the Lord the Bible said in his presence uh, is fullness all I need of joy and at his right hand are pleasures uh, forevermore I found it in the 
of Almighty God. If you found it, why don't you raise your hands with me right now. Let's give glory to Him. Let's give praise to Him. Amen. Nobody can supply like my God can supply. Nobody can strengthen and replenish. And some of you that are in this building have been at this a long time. You know, there's, there's this concept of diminishing returns. That, that a product, when it's, when it's new, I have a pool, and, and they, they have this little chlorinator thing that's on the pool. It's a part that's very expensive, and it, it takes the salt in the water and converts it some way or another. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but it converts it to chlorine. It's a pretty nifty little piece of equipment, but it's very expensive. And they tell me this is worth 10,000 hours of time. And, you know, that seems like a lot. But if you just leave that thing on and don't put it on a timer, it is surprising how that you can run through 10,000 hours. And it isn't long until green stuff starts growing in your pool and you wonder what in the world's going on and I'm having trouble keeping my pool clear and the water fresh and sanitized. That's important when you've got uh, four grandchildren. That's important that you have a sanitized pool. Can I hear an amen? Oh, praise the Lord. You can read between the lines there, but that's a very important thing. And, and, and so uh, I got this. They said, well, test it out. And, and they have these little strips you put down in the pool and it turns a certain color. And, and you put it right down there where the water comes out of the chlorinator. And you can tell whether or not it's producing chlorine. And I put it down there and, and, uh, and tested it and, and uh, came back and said, no. Don't think it's producing because this product has a diminishing return. It's not going to last forever, in other words. It has a time limit. It expires, and you have to buy another. Well, I, that's so much of how sin is. It has pleasure, the Scripture says, for a season, for a space of time. But it's uh, diminishing returns, the pleasure of sin. It's going to run out. It has an expiration date. But I'm thankful, and there's many in this room that can tell Testify to the fact that when you receive the joy of the Lord, it's a joy that lasts. When you get the peace that comes with walking with God, it's a peace that lasts. When you get the Holy Ghost, you can be renewed and refreshed in it and you're plugged into a source. Amen. All you got to do is come to an altar and pay the price and be willing to say, God, I want you to fill me with your spirit. And it's something that will keep you not only through today, not only through the month, but it can keep you as many can testify in this room this morning for years until Jesus comes. The Bible says that it will seal you until the day of redemption. Praise God. I'm so thankful that I have something that lasts. I'm so thankful that what I got doesn't diminish and go away. It can be replenished in my life and refreshed in my life. Stays alive in me. Oh, praise the Lord. Why don't you clap your hands to him again? But, but since the devil is not a supplier, he has to steal. He resorts to stealing. Yeah, he's a thief. Originally, when God created man, 
And in the Garden of Eden, he had every, every appetite, every desire, every longing could be supplied in that garden. It was a perfect paradise, a perfect circumstance. But somehow sin entered in and stole some things. And according to the scripture, we, we understand that from that period or that moment on, it's been our responsibility to look into the Word of God and find the plan that God has established in His Word for us to be restored in our relationship with God. That connection, that separation that came because of sin between man and his God. I'm thankful that it can be restored and it is restored through our relationship with Jesus Christ which comes through being obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ which is the death, burial, and resurrection or in other words, repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name and the unfilling of the Holy Ghost. But the devil is a thief. He doesn't stop. He didn't stop them, but he's still trying to steal the joy and the relationship with God that people have. Constantly looking for his opportunity to take away and to separate and to destroy your relationship with the Lord. According to the National Retail Federation survey, American retailers lose almost 50 billion, with a B, dollars annually to theft. Even with all of the technology and surveillance equipment, with all those things at the door that buzz when, when the clerk fails to, to swipe it or whatever they do to disactivate it, deactivate it, and, and, and uh, with all of that equipment, somewhere, in there, you know, these people are pretty nifty, and uh, even with all those things, the video equipment and all that they have, they steal $50 billion a year. And so firms realize that it's important that we annually take inventory. And inventory is simply an honest evaluation of where things are. doesn't matter what we say we got. doesn't matter what we think we've got. Or we try to tell others that we have. We have to take an honest evaluation. It doesn't matter the report that we send in and what we tell our stockholders. It's important. In fact, stockholders, investors wouldn't want to, they wouldn't want to invest in a company that didn't annually or periodically, sometimes more than annually, take inventory of their storehouse and take inventory and look because losses sometimes can go undetected. There could be somebody that's pretty savvy in upper management that is embezzling money or stealing products, maybe selling them out the back door to some friend or, or family member. And, 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 and if they're not careful, uh, if, if they do not do inventory, there could be a collapse and uh, there could be bankruptcy. But inventory requires... An honest evaluation. This is important also spiritually because before restoration can ever come, before we ever realize our need for it, we first must have an honest evaluation 
an inventory of where we stand and where we are in our relationship with God. And it requires that we ask some hard questions like, am I experiencing a loss in in some area of my relationship with God? Do I lack the possession of something that I once had? Do I no longer have the prayer life that I once had? Do I no longer have the consecration and convictions that I once had? Do I no longer carry the commitment in the things of God like I once did? And then there's a second question that has to be asked. If so, if I notice and I am willing to admit that there is uh, some losses, in willing to admit it, Am I willing to do something about it to correct the problem? In other words, am I going to go on and just act as though I still possess it? Am I going to go on and just pretend that things are as they should be? Am I going to hide behind the veneer and the masquerade? I had a friend that went down to Cuba since they've opened up the borders for Americans to travel to Cuba, and he went down and Of course, all the tour guides that were over the tours were all uh, trained by the government officials, especially when Americans would come and hire them, and they were basically propagandists. And so they would take them to only certain areas of the town, and they controlled what areas that they took them to in Havana, Cuba, and they they would take them to a street, and, and they would tell them, these stores that are here, these are... These are high-end stores. People from Europe have come here, and they've invested, and they are creating these these, uh, retail stores, and this is only high-end quality stuff that is being sold here. And, uh, of course, the stores wasn't open at the time that they brought them there to tour. And uh, my friend walked over, and he looked in the window, and uh, they noticed that that there was just, there were shelves everywhere throughout the building, but there was just a very sparse amount of products that was hanging on the racks and and very sparse amount of products that was even on the shelf. And then there were some shelves that were completely empty. And uh, thinking that perhaps it was just that store, he went down to the next store, and he looked in that window, and it was the same. And he went down to the next one that he was told that was this high-quality, high-end store uh, and people were coming from Europe and investing in and, and, and what a great thing it was. He looked in that window and the same thing. In other words, uh, it was just uh, a veneer. It wasn't something that was real. They were trying to sell them a lie. I was told that when the G7 summit went to Ireland a few years ago, And uh, they knew that all of these leaders from various countries, these seven countries that come together to decide uh, the laws of commerce and trade and all of this, and they come together in this alliance that in this particular community that it was going to be held in. It was a very impoverished community. And the government came in and gave a facelift to all of the buildings down the streets that these world leaders would be uh, driving down and transported down. So when they looked out their window, they would see fresh paint and, and they would see windows with products behind those windows. But come to find out 
those were pictures that were painted and placed behind the windows to look like there was products back there and, and everything was teeming with commerce and business. It was all just a masquerade. It was all just a veneer in other words. There was nothing to back it up. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to advertise something, you better have the product in the warehouse. If you're going to tell somebody that you got something on the showroom floor, you better have the product in the storeroom. You better have a supply that backs up the demand for the product. I'm telling you, we're living in a world that's got a whole lot of needs, church. We're living in a world that needs healing. They need deliverance. They need salvation. They need help. They need to see their marriages restored. They need to see strength come into their lives. They feel hopeless and they need somebody that can give them hope. I'm telling you, it's not in us, but we know one that owns the storehouse that is able to supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I'm preaching to somebody here today that we have a supply line. There's nothing that we preach from this word that he's not able to come through on his promise. If he tells you, you can guarantee it. You can take it to the bank. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. He is a soul saver. He is a victory giver. Whatever it is that you have need of, he's able to supply that need. Oh, somebody lift up your hands to the Lord. But if you note that something's missing, you take inventory and you realize that it's not there anymore. You've got a choice to make. And really it comes down to this. Do you value? Do you value it enough to seek for its replacement? That's right. You've got to value it enough to say, I miss that in my life and I've got to get it back. Whatever it costs. Whatever I've got to do. And sometimes honest evaluation it's hard to keep your ego and have an honest evaluation. Sometimes it's hard to keep your pride and have an honest evaluation about things. Sometimes it's hard to, to sell yourself as having it all together when you take an honest evaluation of things. That's why sometimes you see people come broken down to an altar and they, they come and they're seeking God and they're reaching out to the Lord and they're humbly crying out unto God that he would replenish and restore and renew some things in their lives. I'm going to tell you, I commend that. I, 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 I realize the need of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. At least they're being honest. I'd rather have that person than the smug person that stands back and that is spiritually hollow. The, the person that stands back with their arms clasped, but, but spiritually they're empty. They don't have what they used to have. They don't have the, the spirituality that they claim that they've got. Their worship is hollow. Their prayers are hollow. Their, their faith is empty. There's no result in their life. There's no fruit. There's 
They're living on yesteryear's experience. They're living on something that happened 25 years ago. Unwilling to admit and take honest evaluation and inventory about what's going on at the present. I don't want your stats for 25 years ago. I don't want you talking about how great you were 30 years ago. About you as a new convert. I want to talk about now. It's the present day situation that we're concerned with because you may be spiritually bankrupt and on the verge of collapse if you don't realize I'm missing something and I gotta get it back. I'm missing something in my prayer life and I better get it back. I'm missing something in my commitment to God and bless your heart I gotta get it back. I'm missing something in my convictions. I've changed somewhere along the way and I gotta get it back. It takes honest evaluation to get to that place. Are you willing? Come on, ask yourself the question, are you willing? Are you going to keep putting the facade up? Are you going to keep hiding behind the veneer? You're going to come with your sparkle and your shine and say, yeah, I'm a little Pentecostal. Are you going to really realize uh, there's some areas of my life that I'm deficient? Uh, There's some areas of my life that needs vast improvement. There's some areas of my life that need to be restored. And I can't restore this on my own. I cannot do this by myself. I need the help of the Lord. It's by Christ Jesus. Uh, You're not able to pull yourself up. You may think you're disciplined, but your disciplines are not going to save you. You may think you've got the wit and the knowledge and the courage and the strength, amen, and fortitude and constitution to do it. But I'm telling you, that's not how you say it. It's by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I gotta be refreshed. I gotta be replenished. I gotta be renewed in the spirit. I gotta confront things and be honest with things in my life. Does me no good to lie about it. Does me no good to act like I'm all right. You know, the typical thing that we do when we're asked, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. I'm honest. But when God asks, are you going to be honest? How you really doing? How's the prayer life going? How's your worship? How's your faith? How's your commitment to God? How you doing? Amen. On the job. What's your attitude like? Let's take inventory today. Let's realize there's some things that need to be improved in my relationship with God. And so we get to our text this morning. It says in verse 16, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. There was a deficiency there. He expected, Paul did, he expected somebody to stand with him. And to his shock and amazement, the Bible said no man Nobody that he expected stood with him, but all of them forsook him. When, when the heat was turned on, we're with you as long as it's going good. When the devil starts fighting, when things turn against you, when the momentum's down, when things are kind of in a lull, don't expect us to be on board. We're going to jump ship like a bunch of drowning rats, and we're gone. And I've come to realize that as a, as a pastor at times. But that's just about how it is. And Paul is expressing this. And Paul is underscoring this. And he said, all men forsook me. And he said, but I, I pray 
He said, I, I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. <laughs> it's amazing how in the scripture, it's never whitewashed, but human nature, human nature, even this great spiritual man, Apostle Paul, human nature is bleeding through here. He said, basically, I forgive you. It, it's, it, you know, it's forever settled. I forgive you. I just hope God does. That's kind of the attitude he had. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm letting it go, but I, I hope God lets it go. It's kind of a little turning of the knife there, twisting of the knife. And uh, he said, I, I, I was in need of support, and you forsook me, and I pray that God will forgive you for it. And then in verse 17, I note that he kind of turns a corner here. And he uses a word that I like. It's not one that we use a lot, but it's a word that I like. He said, notwithstanding, notwithstanding. You know, it's kind of like one of those words where they took about three and put them together. Kind of like we say down here in the South, seem to me like. One word, one syllable, seem to me like. Not... It seems to me like, but we get it together, you know, and uh, it's a unique thing. We, we have our own language, but it works, doesn't it? That's what Paul is doing here, notwithstanding. In other words, regardless or in spite of, God isn't bound to the context of our human thinking or rationale or the way we think things ought to be. God's not bound to man's logic, notwithstanding. Everybody else may oppose it. Everybody else may be against it. Everybody else may have jumped ship. Everybody else may have not committed themselves to it. But that isn't going to keep God from moving. That isn't going to keep God from coming through on his promises. Uh, that doesn't, their lack of commitment doesn't affect God's commitment to do what his word says that he's going to do. Isn't that what the book is saying here? It isn't affected by man's attempts to sabotage or the devil's attempts to destroy. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. I want to preach to you when everybody else fails, he'll stand with you. When everybody else turns their back, he'll stand with you. When everybody else lets you down, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. Amen. I believe there's people in this place that can testify when friends forsook you. He stood with you. When an unfaithful spouse walked away, he stood with you. When it seemed like financially it was failure, he stood with you. When it seemed like everybody else that I needed for encouragement wasn't there, he encouraged you. He stood with you. He was there for you. Now we're seeing the revelation. The revelation of restoration that Paul in his last days is trying to get across to the next generation. No matter what happens, God is faithful. No matter what others do, God is faithful. No matter if anybody else takes advantage of it, God is still faithful, notwithstanding. You know, trials in our lives, you've heard me make mention of the fact that when in a trial or a dark place, don't make a life-altering decision based on momentary emotion. 
Don't, don't get in a, in a place, in a trial, in a valley and start making life-altering decisions that are going to affect you for the rest of your life. But be careful and understand that this may just be momentary. And trials can cause disorientation. And uh, in, in training for, I've never been trained in, in being a pilot, but I have friends that are. And they tell me that there's something that is called spatial vertigo. Now, I've heard of people having vertigo, and I've heard how miserable it is. And there's probably nothing more miserable uh, to have than, than, than vertigo. It just, just basically shuts you down because uh, you're dizzy, you, you lose uh, discernment of, of things around you and which way to go, which ends up, which ends down, you don't know. And you're just dizzy and confused. And, and so when in flight they can have, when they fly into a storm of clouds and just into like a big cotton ball and they lose visibility, they can lose a sense. Their mind starts playing tricks on them and they start depending on their natural impressions and natural instincts rather than their instrument panel. And the instrument panel is right, even though it may seem instinctively that it's totally wrong. And if you depend upon your instincts, you could be flying down thinking you're flying up. You could be flying west thinking you're flying east. And as a result, you can end up miles and miles away from your destination. And if you're flying over the sea, that is a big-time problem. Or you could crash into the earth or to the sea because you lose your orientation of where you are you have this spatial vertigo and you're flying actually down right into the ground when thinking you're you're pulling that plane up and somebody sitting here today thinks that that man that seems like it would be impossible but they say it's a total confusion that that takes place called spatial vertigo let me just tell you something there can be spiritual vertigo when you're going through trials and circumstances of life and uh, this is exactly what happened to, to uh, John, John F. Kennedy Jr. is when he was flying that plane out over the coast of, off the coast of Massachusetts that, that uh, he, he, he was just trained in, in uh, uh, basically visible flying, sight flying, and just depending on what he could see, he was not trained in the instrumentation uh, of knowing and being able to read the, all of the instruments, and he bought a plane that was really over uh, his qualifications, and he was just anxious. Uh, I have a friend that actually talked to the flight instructor that trained him, and he said he just he 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 just was impatient, and he said I tried to talk him in to to training uh, and going a little further with his training and learning uh, instrument panels and 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 getting certified and all of that, but he just. He just uh, he went out and bought a plane after he got his pilot's license, and he didn't understand all of that. And as a result, he uh, killed himself and also his wife because he got this spatial vertigo that sometimes can happen in coastal areas. Uh, the clouds, the marine layer comes in, and it's just like flying into a cotton ball, and you lose all orientation. People that dive down 
into caves. This is the most fame, uh, uh, dangerous form uh, of diving, diving down into caves. And people, I don't know why they want to do that. Uh, diving at, at stream depths is dangerous enough. But then they go down in these caves and they take all kinds of turns back in those caverns. But they place little markers or they have a, a, a line that they take with them so that they can get back out. And they follow those markers. I'm going to tell you, we've been given a marker. We have an instrument panel called the Word of God so that when we're walking through a trial, when we're walking through a dark place and, and confusion tries to come in and, and we got the devil whispering in one ear and somebody that's non-spiritual whispering in the other and they're trying to tell us what kind of decisions to make and choices to make and we, we have to break through all of that. We have to be able to make good choices and decisions and the only way that we can is through the Word of God. You can trust the Word of God. It doesn't matter what kind of storm, what kind of winds, what kind of confusion, how dark it is. You can trust the Word of God. He's true to His Word. And if you can look into that Word and find yourself and say, this is where I'm at and this is the next marker that I need to get to because I want to be saved. I want to be right. I don't care about somebody else's approval. It's not going to do me much good. Amen. If I don't get to where life is and where hope is, I'm going to die in this place. Amen. Sometimes it requires that you not follow the group. I read a book about one of these dives called Shadow Divers. They were diving on this, on this submarine, a German submarine, a U-boat that was down uh, off the coast of New York. I mean, in some deep, deep water. So it was dangerous, over 200 feet deep. And it was very dangerous. There was dangerous current. And there was a lifeline that went down, uh, basically an anchor line, but it was a lifeline for those uh, scuba divers. They would go down to this very frigid water, down at these very dangerous depths. And they would go down, of course, in groups. And people get down there, and, and because they call it getting narked, because uh, narcosis sets in and they get confused because of lack of oxygen being supplied to the brain and your body is, is doing funny things at those kinds of depths because of the pressure that is on it and it can cause people become confused and, and, uh, and they stay longer than they're supposed to or they go in a different direction or they don't use, uh, they don't use their, their wisdom and they, they become a little inebriated at that, that level. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, many times when we're in that particular place we have to, we have to be able to receive the pre- of the Word of God to help us to get out of that dark place, to get out of that discouragement, to get out of that place where we don't understand what's going on. And we got to be willing to hear the voice of the Lord as it's endeavoring to speak to us because it's the Word of God that's going to see us back to safety. I read about these guys that were down there at that depth and one of them, he had his son with him because of his attachment to his son, of course, when his son went off and, and was doing some strange things because he was under uh, narcosis because of being at this pressuresome depth uh, and he and went off and, and, and so the father went off after him and, and uh, as a result, uh, they both perished. They both died. Why? Because uh, at that particular level, he followed somebody else 
cross off when, when he didn't need to. And, and it wasn't going to help that person. But because of his strange uh, allurement and, 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 and this, this, this natural love that he had for his son, he swam off in that direction and both of them perished. I'm preaching to somebody in this room here this morning that needs to realize that the Scripture tells us very plainly, I've got to save myself from this untoward generation. If you don't want it, i got to be saved. If you don't want to live for God, i still got to make it some way. I made a commitment that I'm going to serve the Lord. I may have to turn my back on faithful, amen, friends and family members that I love very dearly in the natural, but I've got my mind made up. Amen. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to be faithful to Him. Amen. I want to be saved above all else. Amen, 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 amen. Lift up your voice to the Lord. Just trust the Word of God. I'm coming to a close. But in the story of Ruth, the Bible says, because there was a famine, a dry time, in the land of Bethlehem, Judah, that her and her family decided, made the decision that they would travel to Moab because they heard that Moab had plenty. And over the course of time, I think it was about a 10-year period, her sons grew up, was married, but the father first died. And then both of the sons passed away. Naomi realizes that she doesn't have anything left, really. No way to support herself. Doesn't know what to do. Realizes that, that life has taken a wicked turn on her. And she makes the decision she said, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, Judah. And she tells her daughters-in-law, you, you, don't, you don't have to go with me. In fact, I'm not expecting to really ever regain my losses. I'm never really fully expecting things to, to get completely back to where they were. You can tell this by what she says to them. She says, I can't, I can't give you any more sons. I'm, I'm past that point in my life. And, and how many times do we think that the ability to be restored is up to us to restore and reproduce what God is only able to produce in the first place? It's only he that is able to give back. It's only he that is able to replenish. Stop looking within and start looking to him and start realizing. You know, that's a problem with today's world is it's all within and what I can do and, and I've got the strength and I've got the, I've got the formidity to do it. I, I've got the ability to achieve and you've got to have a little constitution. You've got to have a little discipline. You've got to have, but you also got to have a big reliance upon God and faith that God is the one that is able to supply and 
and God is able. Amen. Because this world, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take things out of me just living in this world. And I've got to be constantly replenished. I've got to be constantly restored. I've got I to gotta have Him constantly given back. Or I'm going to be weakened to the place that I'm unable to fight. I'm unable to stand. I'm unable to be consistent. I'm unable to be what I need to be for God if He is not replenishing me with the strength that I need. So what Paul is trying to tell Timothy in our text is it's Him, not you. Not anybody else that you didn't rely upon for your strength. Because He will stand with you and He will strengthen you. And He will help you. And so she makes her way back. You know the story of how that Ruth made the decision. I'll go with you. Your people will be my people. Whatever you decide, wherever you decide to live, that's where I'll live. And most importantly, your God will be my God. I'll sell out. I'll commit myself. And how beautiful this story ends. Because God, again, is a God of restoration. How wonderful this story concludes. And we we talk about it so often and how that Naomi sent Ruth into the field and first started around the corners and she was just getting what she could because the law said you had to leave the corners of the harvest for the stranger and the, and, and the person that was without to be able to come by and get enough to survive. And, and that's how it started. She was willing to go out there and glean a little bit there. And then uh, uh, the, the man that owned the field noticed this and and uh, he, he, he said, well, let's, let's just leave our little handfuls on purpose. Uh, just act like you spill a little bit out there on the ground. And she can come by and, and get that. Uh, and before you know it, she's married to the man that owns the field and restored in her place. Uh, and, and as a result of this, uh, in the lineage, uh, and you can read it in, in your Bible, in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Why? Because there was somebody that was unwilling to accept things uh, being depleted and never being able to be restored and, and refurbished and put back again. I'm telling you that uh, God is able to restore and give value to a person's life, uh, restore them to the place uh, that there's more value now than there was before. And you say that seems like an impossibility. Not with my God. Uh, not with what He can do. I'm telling you God is able to restore you and you'd be greater for Him than you've ever been in your entire life life. Why? Because you trust His ability to restore and put things back together again. Why don't you stand to your feet with me right now. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. God's able to restore and put value back. We don't have this department stores around here, but there's a there's a store that's kind of fascinating. It's called Restoration Hardware. There's all kind of different types of things in that store. That store, they take something that's basically refused, been used in the past for something else, and then they they take it. They take an airplane wing and make a desk out of it. They take something else that was used for different. And you know what? I've never bought anything from Restoration Hardware because it's too expensive. 
It's too high. Things that were basically refuse. Trash, throwaway stuff. Somebody seen value in it. I said, I'm going to make something. I'm going to make a product here. It's going to be worth more than it was originally. A friend of mine over in Dallas in a car, and he was showing this car, and he said, you know, this car today sells for X amount of dollars. And it was unbelievable how expensive it was. It was an old collector's car. I forget what kind it was. He said, you know what? It sold for a fraction of that cost brand new ever so many years ago. But somebody took it out of the field somewhere. Somebody bought it off of someone that didn't appreciate its value and they totally 100% restored it. Gave it a new paint job. Didn't just stop there. They went down into the interior and took it all apart and restored every bit of it. And now it's very valuable. More valuable than it was originally. Come on, do you believe that God is able to make all things new? Come on, you believe that God is able to restore and refresh and sin has tried to ravage and sin has tried to destroy and sin has tried to, to put dings and scratches and, and tried to, to cause situations to, to say, well, there's no hope and, and there's no way and, and, and the corrosion of life has tried to come and eat away at, at your value. But I'm telling you, God is able to restore if somebody only allow Him. When you come to this altar today, if you'd only open up your heart and allow Him to, He's able to restore your life. He's able to put Put things of value back into you. He's able to build up areas that the that the old world and sin and, and everything that, that we go through in life tried to ebb away. He's able to fill in all the gaps. Amen. He's able to take care of all the deficiencies. He's able to make you effective again. He's able to give you back your worship again. That intensity and love for God and love for truth and convictions and desire and hunger for God and passion for the Lord that you once possessed. He's able to give it back. But it takes somebody that's willing to have honest evaluation. Say, I realize it's missing and I want it back. Sort of like the story of the man that lost the axe head in the water. The prophet said, where fell it? We got to go back to where it, you lost it. If we're going to regain it, we got to go back to that place. It's not going to come from a different area. You got to go back. I'm going to tell you if you lost it in the altar, that's where you'll find it. If you lost it in your prayer life, that's where you'll find it. If you lost it in your worship, that's where you'll find it. And you have to defy this flesh and say, you know what? I'm going to pray until I break through. I'm going to worship until I break through. I'm going to seek God until I break through. I'm not going to stay here deficient and, and bemoaning the past and wondering if I could ever get it back. I'm going to step out in faith. I wonder if there's somebody right now. Who to step out from where you are. Make your way to this altar and say, God, restore in me some things. Replenish in me. That ought to be everybody's desire. That ought to be everybody's prayer. God, restore and renew and refresh some things. Oh, come on. Come hungry. Come desirous. Come thirsty for God. Come reaching out. Come, come desiring more of Him. God, I need to be restored. I need my convictions back. I need my hunger for God back. 
I need my love for truth back. I need my desire for the Word of God to come alive again. I need my thirst, amen, for the church and the things of God and the passion for the presence of God to return again. I need my desire for evangelism to be revived. My desire to teach Bible studies to be revived. My desire to tell somebody about the Lord to be revived. Oh, let it be renewed and restored in me. The Lord, notwithstanding what this world does. This world may be going to hell in a handbasket, but that doesn't make any difference with God. Amen. And His ability. That doesn't affect His power. That doesn't diminish anything He has. Notwithstanding, in spite of, regardless, God is able. God is able. God is able. Reach towards the heavens right now as they begin to sing. And let's cry out.